Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, last year we had a non-conference game late in the season uh, filled with all sorts of hype, filled with all sorts of excitement, uh, packed house, um, independent team coming in. I, it's, it's not quite the same level of oomph, I, 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 I think. I, SEC I, life, I, I, baby. Ironic, SEC life. Ironically, if... You want to find an Irishman willing to fight you. Massachusetts is probably the place that you want to look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, wow, that's amazing. Um, uh, I my my general take on this game is two thumbs up. It's it's late in the season. The cats essentially have scheduled a bye week, and I'm not at all concerned. I think this is great. SEC life, baby. <laughs> Live like they do down south. Um, so let's Damn talk. Straight. Let's talk UMass. I mean, this is this is not a good football team. Um, John, defensively, anything to uh, write home about? <laughs> I mean, it depends what you want to write about. Um, <laughs> uh, on on one hand, UMass seems to be marshalling all of the karma in the world to make us miserable. First of all. They are a former FCS team from New England, and I must remind our I must remind our listeners that the last time we hosted a team with a similar profile, it was UNH. In addition, UMass's schedule this year includes Rutgers, Akron, and Army, a veritable House of Horrors tour for Northwestern fans. And I'm sure that when UMass scheduled Southern Illinois this year, they intended to schedule Illinois State and just somehow screwed up, but I digress. The point is, there's a lot of negative juju going on here. On the other hand, UMass's defense is as bad as bad can get. And I mean that basically literally. This was the fourth worst scoring defense in the country, giving up 43 points per game. So technically, three teams... Louisville, Oregon State, and UConn gave up more points per game last year than UMass did. Except, here's a partial list of the teams UMass played last year who contributed to that 43 points a game. Duquesne, Georgia Southern, FIU, Charlotte, Ohio University, Coastal Carolina, UConn, and Liberty. In other words, UMass might have had the worst defense in the nation last year. This year, UMass has a new head coach and a new defensive coordinator. However, in a trend that I would imagine Scuzz will probably continue in a second, this unit loses by far its best player in linebacker Brighton Barr. Consider this. This team gave up 275 yards per game on the ground with a single guy in Barr making a ludicrous 147 tackles last year. He's gone now, and I would venture a guess that he was the only thing keeping this unit from giving up three bills a game on the ground last year. UMass returns a few pieces, namely linebacker Chinadu Ogbana and lineman Jake Bisco. They combined for 127 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, 5 sacks, but let's not overthink this. 
This is a team without FBS football players that is horrific against the run. And when you factor in the fact that we have a date with Minnesota's run defense the following week, which, again, is not exactly like a House of Horrors run defense, but it's something, um, expect to see plenty of running in this game. Um, Yes, it will be a non-dynamic approach. We're all used to this. We talked about it with UNLV, except the difference is, this late in the season, we aren't going to be hiding much of the playbook from the Gophers and the Illini. So let's just hope we shake off all this bad karma UMass is bringing in and we just throttle the Minutemen with a mix of inside and outside runs. If things go as they should here, again, this is not a team... Like, this team is built for exactly the way we want to roll over them. They're really horrible against the run. We should win this game comfortably. We should run, hopefully for well over 200 and hopefully up to 300 yards, and guys like John Moten and even Drake Anderson ought to be logging significant minutes in this one. Like I said, let's not overthink this. As discuss offensively, um, I, I can't imagine there's anything kind of to top that. Well, there might be. All right. Um, we'll, start, we'll start here. John, you referenced the head coaching change and I think it's important to talk a little bit about Walt Bell who is seen as a big up-and-comer and somebody that has an opportunity to make a little bit of a mark here at UMass um this is a guy who did some really good things despite horrific quarterback injuries at Maryland in 2016 and 2017 particularly in the running game this is also the guy that led Florida State's offense last year to a, oh, wait, 13th place finish in the ACC in <laughs> offensive yards and, and points. Yeah, but those but they have trouble recruiting big athletes down there, Scuzz. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, Bell is, is he's seen as a good coach. You know, what, what, there are other factors at play in Tallahassee last, last year. Let's, let's, let's leave that there. But, you know, from an offensive perspective here, I'll just put it this way. Were this game in September, you'd be hearing a very different perspective from me because this would be a UMass team with nothing to lose who would try to figure out some stuff and, you know, put a dent in Northwestern that would just be playing a turtle shell of a game. Even if it were in September, Northwestern should still win this game by 21 points. The fact that it's in November, boys, we're going to shut this team out. I just think that Northwestern approaches this game and where it sits in the schedule in a very healthy, constructive way. It's how we've approached every late season game forever. Now, there's another factor to this, and that's the UMass offense. Last year, they posted one of the absolute best offenses statistically in college football. Those numbers were inflated by the um, gauntlet of... (laughs) opponents that John (laughs) listed earlier. It's a murderer's row. But still, they put up 27 points on Georgia last November. So this game is no gimme. That said, they lose everybody who contributed meaningfully last year. Both QBs, the top two running backs, three offensive linemen, and far and away their top receiver, Andy Isabella, who put up, who A, accounted for more than 50% of yards, catches, and touchdowns on the year, and happened to put up 220 yards and two TDs in that Georgia game. In total, he caught 102 balls, 1,600 yards. 
the next highest guy on the team had 28 catches for 419 yards. This is a precipitous drop-off in production returning. Quarterbacks uh, Russ Comis, Ross Comis and Andrew Ford, both gone. They were really good last year, mid-60s in completion percentage, uh, 23 TDs between them, really strong uh, QBRs. The, the the just about the the top four receivers all averaged uh, close to fifteen or more uh, yards per catch. Like this offense was dynamic last year, and everyone is gone. So this season you've got at QB. There's a battle between JUCO transfer transfer Andrew Brito and senior Michael Curtis. Curtis had a tiny little bit of playing time last year. He was 26 of 40 for 412 yards and four TDs. Eh, you know, okay. Um, most of that production was against Charlotte at home, where he was pretty good, and Florida International on the road, where he was pretty bad. 60% completion, 1,000 yards, and a 9 yards per attempt clip was what Andrew Brito did as the backup college, uh, as the backup QB at College of the Canyons. Um, how that translates to FBS, like, who knows? Giant shrug emoji here for me right now, but I'm not particularly concerned. Neither one of these guys looks like a big threat on the ground. To be honest, they're both a little bit of an unknown right now. That you know they might be able to sling the ball, but who who's around them? So running back is super bare. Um, wide receiver has has a, a classic nightmare guy for Northwestern, a six five dude named Josiah Johnson. They've got a couple other dudes from last year, but nobody with pedigree. You know, Johnson might be a matchup problem for Northwestern, but we should be able to afford to double him and just cover everybody else man-on-man. Their O-line is huge, but when you look at, like, the Phil Steele recruiting rankings, every one of these guys was rated in the 500s. Bottom line, this team just has a million questions to figure out. They are brand new across the board. They are super young. They've got a brand new coaching staff, probably a brand new scheme to be fair. Like they've got some reasonable three-star talent for like who they are in the college football pecking order. But I, I just, I just don't buy that. They have a, they have a chance to do much against Northwestern. They're going to struggle to run the ball. That like, that's what they're going to start with this year. They don't have any established threat in the passing game. And I think they're going to be facing an NU coaching staff that just simply brings a different mentality to games in November than games in September. Yeah, I mean, you got to think if this was, you know, in the in the in the slot of the UNLV game, we might be singing a little bit of a different song. I um, wish yeah, this I, was in the slot of the UNLV game. <laughs> I think I think to peg it, um, I. I like we would not be talking about this like we talked about Akron last year. We we raised some legitimate concerns about Akron last year. Yeah. Um but like the prior year against against uh, Nevada or 2 years ago when we played uh Western Michigan and Illinois State. Like like losing those games, losing the Michigan Western Michigan game was not a shocker. Losing the Illinois State game was a shocker. I, I, like if we lost to this UMass team, it would be it would be Catastrophic. Maybe not on maybe not on par with Illinois State, but on par with some of the worst non conference losses that Northwestern has ever has ever put up. There's there's just nothing here for the us key, to fear. The key thing that I just keep coming back to is like the way to beat this team is to just run over the top of them. And that is something that we are low you know, like we hate that approach nine times out of ten. 
this is the team. I mean, this yep. team is just paper uh, up front. It's just run over the top of them. It's not complicated. Like, that's why I almost wish this team was at the beginning of the year. Like, we were playing this team the week before Michigan State. Because it's just like, fine, run it 50 times. I don't care. This team is just paper. Like, you'll just run right through them. Like, this is a legitimately horrible team that, like Scuzz said, all their best pieces were offensive and they're all gone. So, yeah, let's not overthink it. Let me just run through their schedule real quick. I mean, they opened the season at Rutgers, a home for Southern Illinois at... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, well, I'll wait. Okay, at (laughs) Charlotte, Coastal Carolina at home, Akron at home, at FIU, at Louisiana Tech, bye week, home for UConn and Liberty, at Army, at Northwestern, and finish off the year at home against BYU. I'll say this for UMass. Like, if you're an independent, there are two ways to go about it. And one of those ways is to be like, hey, let's let's take a tour of some nice stadiums. We'll take a couple of those paycheck games. And the other is just to bathe in creamy frosting. <laughs> but this, which, is, which really isn't even for them. Like, a team like Coastal Carolina, that will give UMass all that they can handle. Like, as long as you're scheduling the FCS teams, you ought to, like, look a little farther down the list than Coastal Carolina, but... My favorite UMass stat is that they are 2-8 and all-time versus current Big Ten teams with both wins coming against Rutgers. Rutgers. Yeah. They're going to beat Rutgers in the first week of the year. Let's just – I mean, they're not, but, like, who knows? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if there's any team in the Big – I mean, talent-wise, yeah, they're, they're as close. But, I mean, r- realistically, this team – Scuzz mentioned some three-star players, but this is FCS talent. I mean, they're 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 a tweener team. They're a team that could be headed back to the FCS, really. Well, and look who they're playing us the week after. Army, Army, and, and we've talked about like the you, you know, week after Army, week after Navy. You're just beat up and bruised, and and mentally exhausted. Yeah, and, and everything you prepared for the week before. You are starting from scratch. Completely Like that's that is absolutely an advantage. By by the way, Army's really good this year. They might score seventy five points. I mean, they won't because they 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 just possess the ball for so long. But like, they're going to absolutely steamroll this Minuteman team. These guys are going to be bruised and broken coming back uh, after that after that week. Well, I, I don't want to, you know, spend too much more time on them. So, unless there's anything else we need to discuss, I, I think we should just go ahead and leave it there. Uh, let me ask this question: Like, okay. do you, as so as season ticket holders? Okay, um, I, sure. I was just thinking about this as we were recording, but go ahead. Like, how, how do you feel about this? Like, this is you know November sixteenth. Um, I wouldn't call it like the heart of the college football season. It's certainly. You know, it's a game that that is no matter who the opponent, it's going to be cold. It's going to be probably a little bit miserable. Let's just be honest um, from that perspective. But like, does this does this bother you that Northwestern scheduled this game in this slot for the year? I mean, it, not really. I mean, you, obviously, you'd like to get the the non cons out of the way early, but. With the with the way that Big Ten has changed their schedule around, you know this was where the hole in the schedule was. So you know we didn't have a Big Ten game here, you know. So could could we have scheduled a bye and you know had another game somewhere else? Sure, but you know just kind of thinking about you know mid November, and 
you know, if there was a week that I was going to not go to a game, this would, this would be it. I mean, going to games is amazing. It's so much fun, but like if the weather's bad, if it, if it's kind of gnarly, this is one of those, you just kind of like, you know, it's comfy on the couch. It's not 15 degrees and sleeting. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. If, if, uh, I can marshal my daughter into going to this game. It's kind of when you show up and think, hey, she can probably run around a lot. And when she's time to go, that's perfectly fine. So it feels like one of those kind of games. I will say, though, that even Notre Dame last year, for all the pomp and circumstances, pomp and circumstance felt like a needed breather in the middle of that white knuckle conference season that we were in the middle of. Um, And... I'm I'm not going to exactly hate the chance to kind of catch our breath, especially if things are getting really tight and dicey toward the end of the season. Well, and that's why I framed it as like as season ticket holders, um, and I guess as season ticket holders with kids is a different construct than well with just with young as kids, season to- with young kids. yeah yeah with young kids is a, is a different construct because like as a as a fan, just like as a fan that just wants Northwestern to do well. I couldn't be happier about the placement of this game in, in especially given what's going to be a tough Minnesota opponent the following week. Right. Um, and you, you're totally right, John, like we, you don't think about Notre Dame as a spot where the team would have let down, but it just, it just allowed them to focus on something different. And certainly there was pressure to perform against such a highly rated opponent, but to be able to, to step away from the division race, in that moment, I think was probably refreshing mentally for everyone, and 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 probably felt like a little bit of a break. Yeah, I, I remember. So, I remember going into that game just thinking, like, you know, we have nothing to lose here. I mean, sure, we're expected to lose the game. If we win, that's phenomenal. If we lose, it's not a big deal because it's not a conference game. Right. Yeah. So I like as I'm. I know there are season. I know. Well, I've just I've seen a lot of people on Twitter bitching about this like uh what what's like why do we do that what are we doing yada yada and i guess the alternative like i was just trying to flip through some schedules we could have played toledo in week two on september 7th really glad we didn't do that by the way um like can we can we avoid the mac for a few years like thank you very much um you you know you you could have ironically uh notre dame's off uh on on september 7th as well but i just like for for fans that are frustrated by this or questioning why, like go back and think about how you felt going into that Notre Dame game vis-a-vis not the Notre Dame opponent, but the break from the conference grind and, and what that must've felt like for the players. And I, I think net net, like this is, this is a good problem to have. And if, and if you're going to sacrifice a game to a team like UMass, I would rather it be on November 16th than, than September 7th. That's for sure. Can we just, just once, can we just plow a hapless team and then just forget about it the week after? Like, let's just try that and see how it is. <laughs> East, Eastern Illinois in 2015 style, please. Yeah, let's, like, if, if what everyone is saying is true, fine. Uh, if a tree falls in the forest, that whole deal. Like, people, like, you go see it, we'll see it in person, we'll see it on TV, Let's just like beat them fifty to nothing, and then like we'll just all forget about it the next day. Great, let's just try that, and let's we'll get, see how we feel about it, and then we can make a determination. 
let's get Drake Anderson three bills for old time's sake. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. There you go. Let's yeah, let's put DA in the audience. We'll get Drake 25, 30 carries. Exactly. Give him a couple hundred yards and we'll all be happy. Oh, well, we'll, let's go ahead and leave it there for uh, for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw Brian Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Scasboy and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.